Well, you definitely want to stay tuned to this episode because we're going to be talking about high conflict relationships, relationships that are just absolutely unwieldy. We're going to cover topics like how black and white thinking is a real huge obstacle in a relationship. We're going to talk about what happens when there's a partner who just won't take any ownership and they deflect and defend anytime you're trying to deal with a complex issue. So we have some really great topics in this episode and Karen Mc man is going to help us explore them in a way that I know you're going to get a heck of a lot out of. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Relationship Renovation Podcast. I'm Tara Kerwin. And my name is EJ Kerwin. We are excited to have a, a guest again today. Yay! Her name is Karen McMahon. She is a relationship and divorce coach. She founded Journey Beyond Divorce in, I think, 2010. It's a coaching program. Uh, She also has a podcast, Journey Beyond Divorce, and we're just very excited, grateful to have you this morning. How are you, Karen? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Yeah, you bet. Well, I think this is just a really important topic. I mean, we know that the divorce rate is what, around 47% right now, I believe is the current statistics. It is. And it goes up for second marriages and third marriages. It just keeps climbing. Absolutely. And I just know a lot of couples struggle with whether it's in their relationship and they're even contemplating divorce or they've are in the process or after the divorce and kind of what goes on from there. It would be great for us, Karen, if you could just like first just, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your personal journey and about why you decided to take this direction and and support people in this way. Yeah, thank you so much. I was in, I got married late. I had two children and I found myself in a high conflict marriage I don't think that I knew that at the time. I was just very confused and I was very triggered. And at one day I looked in the mirror and I saw my rageaholic mom who was married to an alcoholic husband. And I thought, I have gotten so lost. I don't know what's happened to me. And I was furious with him and I I could wax on about his shortcomings, but I immediately went into therapy and spent the next couple of years trying to mend And when I went back into therapy the second time, she said I seemed like a shell of the woman I was the first time she met me. And I was pretty much a shell the first time she met me. So I really got very lost in my marriage. And then it was very hard to decide to leave. I think, should I stay or should I go is one of the hardest decisions to make, especially when you bring children into the world. And then a three and a half year high conflict divorce ensued. And when I emerged from that, I was very successful in my career. I was selling commercial printing and I just thought, nope, after all that transformation, there has to be something more important for me to do than sell ink on paper. And I began exploring options and found myself in a coaching program. And then it was just crystal clear that having been a teenager going through my parents' divorce and then navigating my own divorce, that divorce coaching was really what I was meant to do. And I started that in 2010. I always love when we have guest speakers on that have gone through a really difficult situation and then healed through that and now have found ways to help hundreds and thousands of couples to navigate really challenging times. It's kind of our story too, Karen. So it's just really great to hear that. Yeah. I feel blessed that what was 
one of the most hellacious times of my life has become my my passion and my purpose for helping others. Yes, we can relate, huh, EJ? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you used the phrase high conflict divorce or high conflict relationship. And that's, I mean, that's our topic today. And it's, it's something we haven't really addressed. It's certainly something we see frequently at our center. And so I think maybe a, a great launching point is you like really defining that. Like, like, what is a high conflict relationship? What is a high conflict divorce? Yeah. So I think that the flavor of high conflict, if you're going through a divorce, you have conflict. Obviously, you wouldn't be on that path. So your garden variety divorce is going to have conflict. There's going to be disagreement. Uh, people are going to get upset. The difference when you come to high conflict is there's certain tells, there's certain tendencies that you see in the personalities, the two people who are coming together. And so the high conflict personality might have things like a very black and white thinking. So everything's either fantastic or horrible. You're right or you're wrong. There's no gray. You're a phenomenal wife or you're like a wretched woman. Like whatever it is, it's it's very black and white. And another thing is there's no ownership. So there's mm-hmm. just constant blame and accusation. And so there's, you find yourself in a relationship with someone and, and you have a part two, I'm going to get to that, but the person doesn't take ownership. And so no matter what is put on the table, it's your fault. And if I did it, I did it because you did something else. And then there's revisionist history where you never seem to remember events and certainly arguments or agreements the same way as your spouse, that it's just constantly, you're almost thrown on your ear because how could I be remembering this so wrong? Mm -hmm. And one of the things with high conflict personalities is I like to say, oftentimes they have like a 365 degree blind spot. They can't see their part. So they're a thousand percent certain of themselves. They actually present so confident and certain of themselves because there is no other perspective. And so the partner of the high conflict personality starts questioning themselves and doubting themselves. And that's part of the chipping away Mm -hmm. of our self-confidence and sense of self is we start thinking about what he or she, how they're seeing the world and how they're feeling about things. And that actually ends up coming first before our own thoughts and actions. So those are a couple of them. There's a deflect and defend. Every time you bring something to the table to say, hey, honey, you know, I, I, I need to talk about this. This is, this is something that, this is a behavior of yours that is, you know, upsetting me. The response is usually, well, I'm upset about that too, but yeah. I'm upset more, or I have this other thing. And so every time you bring something to the table, you find yourself that your topic has been sidelined right. and that you're on the defensive. You're always on the defensive. Yeah, it's minimized. It's minimized and there's that power struggle there. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the tendencies and and the person in that relationship who often presents as high conflict is, is the person who is the people pleaser, who's really insecure, who says yes when they mean to say no, who has some codependent behavior. And so you have these two people with trauma, um, dysfunctional families of origin and they come together and it really, in the beginning, it seems so blissful and Mm -hmm. then it turns rapidly and it is often a bit of a hot mess. Yeah. 
I mean, one of the things that jumps out to me is because we do see a number of couples, we have people we interact in our in our podcast audience who are in what what they would probably term and what we look at as a high conflict relationship. And we have seen people who work through it. Mm-hmm. And then we've seen people who don't and nothing changes. I mean, and I, it seems like that's an important thing to sort of discuss is like, how do you right. how do you help an individual know whether there's hope to shift it, whether it's just too abusive, you know, to circle back from like, you know, that that's got to be a difficult decision for people to make and a difficult decision to help somebody make. You know, I was just talking about this the other day. A key way to tell is assuming you've been in relationship for a little while, is to look at your experience of reconciliation. So -hmm. it takes one to forgive, it takes two to reconcile. So if all the reconciling Mm. is balanced, right, in a healthy relationship, two people have a difficulty, they come together, they talk it through, they can be in a safe space, and then there can be an agreement, and they can emerge closer and stronger and better. Uh, If your experience of reconciliation, and this is what a lot of my high conflict clients come to me saying, but Karen, I was giving like 250%. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, what was your spouse giving? And so when it's highly imbalanced, on a regular basis, right. because as we know, you know, someone could lose a job, there could be a death in the family. There are, there are circumstances that can make an individual less able to come to the table and reconcile. But if this is your ongoing experience and your experience of reconciliation is it's very one-sided, that I feel is a, a very strong tell. And I think it's so hard because I know that a lot of couples we see at our center, I mean, they literally wait until a crisis happens where it's either couples counseling or divorce. So they come in and there's not a lot of hope and we're the hope holders. And they're like, do you think it's going to work? Do you think it's going to work? And, and all I can say to them is, you know, I don't have this like crystal ball and I can't say in four months from now that you guys are going to be able to feel more deeply connected. What I do know, and especially if they have kids is that you're going to come to an understanding of why it's presenting the way it is now. And hopefully, you know, hopefully, yes, you do end up together and heal. And, you know, we go through all of the attachment stuff and that, but if not, at least you're going to be able to co-parent in a healthier way and to go through the process of really accountability, healing, how is the past affecting my present? Like it takes a lot of bravery and a lot of internal investigative work to really shift through to the other side. And there's a lot of people that don't want to do that. And I think that's where you're saying, you know, that one partner that gives 250% just as exhausted, not sustainable. Yes, I I agree completely. And, you know, I love the question, should I end or should I mend? So when someone comes mm. to me, you're dealing with couples, I'm dealing with an individual. When right. someone comes to me and they're if they're asking the question, the answer is you should work on mending. We're going to put domestic violence aside, right? right Assuming right. that you don't, you're not in a physically abusive relationship. Mm. And the reason I say that, I say, let's start with mending. Coach with me. Yes, I'm a divorce coach. I'm a relationship coach. Let's coach around mending. Don't worry about what your spouse is doing. You know, if your spouse is seeing a therapist or a coach, great. But let's look at your behavior. And so let's say my client is the person who is married to that black and white thinker and that revisionist history person. Or the person who I had another client who just like he came from a family, there was just so much anger. He didn't know how to Mm. 
navigate and communicate without that anger. And so for my client, there's a lot of stories. There's a lot of stories in your head. You have a victim mentality. And so, so let's start looking at the way that you're communicating. And most importantly, let's start looking at what we do is we fill in the gaps. And so the why, why, let's say I'm talking to the wife, why is he behaving that way? Mm -hmm. Well, you don't know. And so you assume, and so you create a story, the story is getting angrier. Mm -hmm. um, and the story may not even be true. And then you're trying to control because you want it to go well. And so, mm -hmm. and so now you're trying to control the other person. So you're pushing they're they're stepping back. And so as, as you guys know, there are all these different dynamics. And so my feeling is if you're in a high conflict relationship and you're not sure if you should end or mend, when you focus on your work right. and mending and you change your behavior. So for me going through it, I realized I was like frothing at the mouth. I was so angry. And so one thing was, can I accept the way my spouse shows up? I may not like it, but do I have to be surprised about it? Do I have to be reactive about it? Or can I know what I've experienced and expect it? And how does that help me regulate my emotions and communicate more effectively? And how will that help things? And so we start looking at a person's individual behavior. And as they change, one of two things is going to happen. That other party is either going to come closer because there's open and new possibility, or they may move further away. And so that's a big step with the people that we deal with in those early stages. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's like 100% the, the launching point we have in working with couples is that like, if we can convince a couple to in those moments of conflict, that the first thing you're doing is holding a mirror up and looking at the power you have in the situation and the reactivity you have, and then the instinctive, you know, thoughts, feelings, behaviors you have, Yep. That's the only power you have, right? I mean, right. and then I love what you're saying about when there's an imbalance, when you're the only one doing that, right. or if you originate that process and they're not there yet, but maybe eventually they start to hold up the mirror to themselves. But if they never hold that mirror up, right. it's it's hard to mend, right? That's where I heard once it takes one to forgive and two to reconcile. And forgiveness is very important, especially if you've brought children into the world. Right. But yeah, I'm, what am I, 2006? I'm many, many years post-divorce and so little bit has changed even now with adult children. And so I have a lot of compassion for my ex and I teach my children to have compassion and to find the lane that works, but there are mm. personalities. And I think that when we're dealing with people who are really caught up in addiction, alcoholism, and, you know, mental health has such a bad mm -hmm. rap, you know, people who have personality disorders, bipolar, borderline personality, mm. narcissistic, like they, they didn't ask for it. Right. You know, they, they didn't say, I want this problem and I want to show up in this displeasing yeah. way. And so I think that in general, everyone feels like they're living with or divorcing a narcissist mm. and, and that's terribly <laughs> unfortunate. Right. And I always tell my clients, please, you know, and even gaslighting, say what you're experiencing, stop labeling everything. It right. actually doesn't bring value to the situation and it doesn't help solve it. And, and when you're in relationship with somebody who 
has displeasing behaviors and has issues, you have to take care of yourself first. But to blame and condemn and put down and judge and berate does no good at all. Setting boundaries, now that's something we should talk about. We should talk about what a healthy boundary looks like. We should talk about what effective communication is and safe space, what safe space is. I love the idea that The forgiveness piece that you just talked about, and yes, you're healing yourself and you're making room for that forgiveness so you can at least have compassion for that other person who is in a suffering place. But it, again, you go from blaming and why are you doing this to me to be able to like look at them as a human that has struggled for a variety of reasons, whether it's a personality disorder, trauma, early attachment. But I've seen when people can get out of that and that place of forgiveness, even if their relationship doesn't work. It's just like a place of freedom, finally. It's like they didn't even know they could be in that place. So I just, I love that piece of compassion. It's it's something that we're very, we hold close to our heart when we're working with couples. I think if you want, you know, if you are that person who's, you know, maybe going to therapy or getting coaching and you want that other person to change and start holding the mirror up to themselves, it definitely doesn't help if you're othering them all the time and it doesn't help if you are labeling them all the time and it might just help if you can be empathetic to maybe their maybe their behavior maybe their communication is really is really destructive or poor but that doesn't mean that it doesn't come from a deep place of suffering and that's where you know i love um the book getting the love you want with harville oh, yes. hendricks and helen hunt and they talk about you know, they start and talk about how vitally important the safe space is. And mm-hmm. and it resonates with me because in my marriage, there was no safe space. My, my ex knew how devastated I was by my parents' divorce. And from very early on in our marriage, when we would disagree, he would threaten divorce. And so, and there were, there was verbal stuff and other stuff. And so how do you show up vulnerable? How do you talk about um, that wounded inner child if it's not a safe space? And so then if everyone's coming with their guard up, their armor on and their weapons in hand and tossing emotional grenades across the room, shrapnels hitting the kids, it's like, Mm -hmm. this is going no place fast. And honestly, everyone's in the wrong. And so learning about that mirror, learning that my favorite saying is every upset is a setup. If every time I'm triggered, I'm being set up to look inside and do personal work, then if I'm in a high conflict relationship or divorce, I've got this fertile ground Mm -hmm. for doing personal work. And and that is the gift in the midst of it. I'll never forget when (laughs) we're sitting across from couples and we're like, oh, triggers are actually a really good thing. It's like information. That, and they look at us like, what are you talking about? This, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> that's right. So you have a, a program coming up that's, tell us a little bit, bit about it. It's called Get Off the Fence. Yeah. So Get Off the Fence, it's for individuals who've been in high conflict or toxic marriages. And when I speak to these individuals, So often the statement is, um, I'm confused, I don't know what to do. And then as the conversation goes on, it's been highly imbalanced, it's been very abusive, it's very one-sided. And what's behind the I don't know or I'm confused is I'm scared. I'm scared that he or she will do X, Y, and Z to me. And 
I'm scared of what's on the other side of the fence. So maybe the grass isn't green on the other side of the fence. And so this program is an opportunity for people to rebuild their sense of self and self-confidence, get some real education around what does it mean to file for divorce? What are the various approaches? What do you need to ask an attorney when you want to find out what your legal rights are and begin to consider hiring someone? And, And most importantly, when it comes to telling your spouse, what do you want to say? And what do you definitely not want to say so that you're kicking off this this leaving in the, the healthiest way for you with you feeling like you're standing on solid ground and that you have the right support team to do it. Because being in a high conflict marriage we're typically incredibly isolated Mm -hmm. um, and controlled. And so get off the fence and leave your difficult or your high conflict marriage gives you all of the tools that you need to step into the divorce process. It's a six week, really powerful program. Well, I think that's important because I think a lot of times when you're in that situation, you're going through that experience, it's just already chaos, like a tornado and feels like you're really providing this resource for people to like grasp onto and really have an approach to how to do this. Yeah. And what it does is it sets them up for the work we've been talking about. So we do a lot of emotional work toward during it and, and then they can step into continuing that work. But that... I know when I thought about leaving my marriage, um, my bones were shaking. Like I could feel my entire insides shivering and shaking. I was so deeply afraid of my spouse's reaction and for very good reason. And that's part of what we talk about too, because they're so afraid of the reaction. It's like, well, has he or she ever yelled at you and threatened things before? And the answer is usually, yeah, all the time. Okay, so if you've been there and done that, like what's the worst that could happen? They're going to yell at you again. They're going to make accusations again. And it's really helping people kind of get regulated and look at their situation through a new lens, a more reasonable one, so that they can take these key steps effectively. It's like a nervous system reacting out of clarity instead of fear. Yeah, we're calling it like an a, an emotional reconditioning almost. I it's like, like that. how do you begin to recondition yourself to navigate this individual and mm-hmm. this difficult transition with confidence and grace? Well, Karen, why do you think a lot of people stay? And I mean, because we've heard it, we've seen it, like it's toxic relationships and yet so many people just stay in. It's like, you know, people say, oh yeah, they're just addicted to fighting. They're addicted to that. But like, what have you seen? Like why people do stay if they are in a high conflict and, and maybe it's still not reciprocal. Yeah. I think, I think fear is a huge reason and fear goes in a lot of different directions. One fear is, is your spouse's reaction. Another fear is I'm going to damage the children. Mm. And I, I would really like to address that one because you know, if, if it's a truly toxic relationship and the other person may be saying too, I can't believe you can do this to the kids. You're going to break the family up. This is, and the thing is, if you're raising your children in a toxic relationship, then you are training them that this is 
This is intimate love. This mm. is going to be their only experience of intimate love is the way mommy and daddy interact with each other and the way they interact with us. And so people think they're doing their children a better justice staying. But the truth is, um, for those of us who have emerged from these kinds mm. of high conflict families, we go out and we marry some version of our mother and our father and we rinse and repeat and we continue the generational chains of brokenness. And so, so that's one of the fears is I'm afraid that I'm going to, I'm going to walk away with no money. Um, Certainly people who are financially well off are scared to death to leave because they've got the golden handcuffs. And it's like, you know, you could have the big, beautiful house and the gorgeous car and, and the vacations that you're not really happy on, or you could have maybe a lot Mm. less materially, but what if you have your peace and your confidence and your, your sense of self? back and and if your children have one healthy household you know how would that help them I, I think also there's this really important thing that we have to address in that where is the line between it being a high conflict mm-hmm. relationship and where is it just straight abuse you know and because because that's something that we as clinicians deal with a lot because we have we get a lot of calls people wanting to come in and one of our rule outs for couples therapy is like if there is domestic violence right but what we've found in in assessing that is that there's sometimes this area where it's super gray Mm-hmm. And it's and it's hard to like clarify, especially if people are underreporting. That's kind of a, like a whole other thing. But for you, when you would interact with a, with a client who's talking to you about a situation that that you're like, oh, what is what is when is it where I just tell this person like, look, that's crossed a line. You are in danger. And when it's like, okay, well, you're still in the possibility for mending. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that first of all, part of it is how true is is what that individual is telling me, right? Because mm-hmm. they've been in this position and they're seeing the world through victim lenses. And so, again, if someone's laying hands on you, that's that's pretty black and white, sure. you know, and and i'm I'm real comfortable with that. Um, I was in a situation where, you know, I the police were involved, CPS was involved. I ended up in court. and, I couldn't get an order of protection because nobody laid hands on me, but I was so crushed. I was called the most wretched names. I was stalked and harassed and belittled and berated, and it didn't matter. And so I listened for that. And because I've lived it, I think that it's easier for me to speak into the person who's on the receiving end because I know I've I've been there I've walked in those shoes and I think that so often clients have said and yeah my therapist is great it's just it's it's such an important part but when I talk to you there's this knowing there's this experience and so I think it opens something up in individuals to be able to that safe space of being honest and really being able to maybe be honest with themselves for the first time because they're talking to somebody who's who's walked that path. I I don't generally tell. I will I will raise concerns and I will give exercises and we will evaluate. And and then again, I mean the truth is the majority of people who are talking to us have one foot on the divorce path. Mm-hmm. So there's that as well. So your program, Get Off the Fence, 
when somebody makes a choice to do a program like that, coming out of a, of a really difficult or, or toxic relationship, what do you think that they get out of it that prepares them to have a healthy relationship in the future? Yeah, well, we actually, so the six-week program begins the process of that that mirror that you guys talk about, that using every upset as a setup and looking inside. And so what Get Off the Fence does is, the first thing is we're rewiring the way you think, the way you look at yourself, the way you look at what's normal, right? Because when you've been living for a decade or three decades right. in this kind of a relationship, you have a very skewed view of what's normal right? because it's been normalized over all of that time. So, so we're rewiring your mindset and the way you're thinking about things, but we're also a real key is helping an individual reimagine themselves. And so we do a lot of work around your future self mm-hmm. and who are you and who do you want to become? And that's really scary for people who have been living very small. It's like, I I can't even think about that. That's too scary. And so that's what this first program does. We follow that with our accelerated divorce recovery program. And in that program, I'll just mention a couple of things because that EJ is really where your question comes in. The first step is curbing the conflict. We help people really get into their hearts and heal the hurt. We help them notice how often they're problem-oriented rather than solution-oriented. And we help them notice how much they um, judge. And if they could replace their judgment with curiosity, what would open up for them? And so every step in the Accelerated Divorce Program really refines someone to be in better relationship Mm -hmm. with a new partner, with their children, with their parents, with everybody, because it, it it's kind of this 365 degree look at what are all the key tendencies in unhealthy relationships that you might have that you want to start changing. Yeah. I mean, one of the things for me personally, because I was, I was divorced when Tara and I got together and, mm-hmm. you know, is, you know, second marriage is, One of the things that was really humbling and eye-opening to me was that when I did get together with a person who who I who I felt I could have a healthier relationship with, who had like all these like um, the qualities that I had really clarified that I wanted in my relationship, I was faced again with some of my own dysfunction that I was able the first time around maybe to like just blame mostly and put away put on somebody else. And then this time around, like I am like, I hope Tara sees this, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty keenly aware of like, man, there, there are some things with two very different people, you know, that, that are still happening. Who's the common denominator here? Well, it's me, you know, and, uh, that's gotta be something you, you've personally Mm -hmm. maybe gone through or, or, or seen other people go through. Well, you know, I think I had a client once who was like, all right, when am I going to be done, Karen? (laughs) And I said, when you're six feet under, you know, like, what is our journey here on this earth? Mm -hmm. Like, we're, we're in relationship with people. And so we're a bunch of porcupines rubbing up against each other. And so the idea is that you, by the time you meet your maker, all your quills are soft (laughs) You're right. And, <laughs> and, and you're a refined version of yourself. And so 
I mean, um, I got divorced in 2006. My kids were in early, early grade school. They're now 24 and 26. Be in relationship with teenagers. You have work to do. Be in relationship with emerging adults. There's a lot of work to do there. So I think that the, the way I would describe it is when you start doing this work, it's something that you do for the rest of your life. And as we begin to master ourselves, we can own our stuff a little bit more. We can notice it a little bit quicker. We can be more gracious. We can certainly have a lot more grace and mercy for other people because, because we see where they are. And, and so there's a saying, what was it? Seinfeld said something about being the master of his own domain. Mm. It's really easy to be the master of your own domain when you're single. It's when you're in relationship, especially in intimate relationship, that all of that muck in the pond comes to the surface and there's always work to be done. And to your point, Mm -hmm. EJ and Tara, if you're in a healthy relationship, what a gorgeous place to be able to heal your childhood wounds, yep. refine your shortcomings, mm-hmm. know that that your man or your woman has your back mm-hmm. and and sees that younger self and right. and holds the space for you to do the work. I mean, that is what I think we all desire and yearn for. We have this chalkboard in our lobby and it says, our partner is our greatest teacher. Be patient for the lessons. But yes, it's the emotional safety piece because if you don't have that, we don't grow. We just are constantly in the place of defending and stuck in our own childhood dysfunctional attachment. And one of the things that, you know, because when we get couples in, like, they do think the grass is greener. And, oh, if I just, like, had this person and this person, and then, again, like you said, rinse and repeat, there's a reason why the second and third marriages are a higher divorce number, because it's not about the other person, it's about you. That's my, what I say to people all the time is the reason second and third marriages have higher divorce rates is because there's still a lot of people who believe they're divorcing the problem Yes, and they go out and they meet the same man or woman in a different body. And then they, about what, five to seven years in, they say, why does this keep happening? I know they were so different from my first person (laughs) or from my second person. Yeah. And, and when you do that work, you, and I feel so strongly about breaking generational chains. And so when you do that work, you're not just improving yourself and the future of all of your relationships, but when you take the time to pour all of that knowledge and wisdom and the practices and the guidance into your children, then we get to create a better future because we break generational chains. And my young people have more emotional intelligence in their early to mid twenties than I had when I got divorced at 40. And, and that's what I want to see more and more happening is pouring into that next generation and, giving our kids a chance to have better relationships. I couldn't agree with you more because I can tell you the saddest sessions I've ever been in are when the kids are being used as a tool for the toxic relationship that the parents have. It's just heartbreaking. Well, and and to circle back, you know, we kind of went off on this pathway of talking just like how much you can grow in relationship and how much you could, you know, it, even though it can be disruptive and painful, that you can become your best self with your partner. But mm. if you are in a high conflict relationship 
and there's tons of black and white thinking and and, and one or both people are taking no ownership and they're deflecting and defending. I'm just repeating kind of a lot of what what Karen said at the beginning. How in the world is it safe enough to do that? How can you have insight when you're you know, right. we talk a lot about this when your sympathetic nervous system is constantly activated mm-hmm. because you feel threatened, you don't feel safe. There's no, there's no possibility for growth in, in those. Moments. Well, there's no access. I mean, I would there's have no to access. say I went through years where I had no access to my frontal lobe. I was living in the amygdala, right? I was just like constantly in fight, flight, freeze, pawn, whatever it was. And so you don't have access to that clear thinking. And it's so important to be honest with yourself. And I think that that's the key. I'm now having all of these conversations. Mm-hmm. I'm inviting like anybody who resonates with get off the fence to have a 30 minute conversation with me. And as I'm talking to these individuals and hearing, you know, what's their fear, what's their experience been? The other key, um, Tara and EJ, that I would say is there's a sense of denial or delusion or resistance. It's like, you've been with this individual, you've been in this broken relationship for so long And here's a key thing that happens. Well, he or she said that they were going to change. And so when you pay attention to someone's words, when their words and their actions don't align, you're deluding yourself. And so, but he said it and she said it and he said it. And it's like, start paying attention to the actions because the actions aren't aligned with the words and the actions are what's real. And so there's all these different ways. And that's like a a new concept. That's an eye opener for somebody who's been so confused why their spouse keeps saying or promising and then it doesn't happen. And so there are all these little things that we can do to break down the resistance and have them begin to accept what is. If you don't accept what is, Mm -hmm. you can't do anything about it. Once you step into acceptance, you have choice. Even if your choices seem to all Mm -hmm. suck in the beginning, you still have choice. When you're in resistance, there's no choice because you're not even acknowledging what is. Yeah. We, we have a whole session on acceptance versus resignation and couples are always like, oh my God, I didn't even know they're like, they didn't know how to differentiate those terms, powerless yep. to empowered. empowered. Right. Well, I mean, Karen, it sounds like your team and you are a, a super valuable resource to, uh, to what we know is a lot of people out there. Yeah. I, I'd love you just to share how can people connect with you? What do you have coming up? Uh, all of this also, I'll, I'll make sure is in the show notes for this this show. But yeah, just tell us, tell our audience how they can connect with you. Yeah, so we're a team of seven divorce coaches, uh, coast to coast. We are one of the few companies that work with men as well as women. And so I'm gonna say two things that we offer. If the get off the fence program sounds interesting to you and you're scared and you've been on the fence, it makes perfect (laughs) sense. You can go to journeybeyonddivorce.com and you can follow the get off the fence link and book a 30 minute call directly with me. Or we have a rapid relief call. If you're just looking for, if you're struggling and you're looking to see how do I move forward, uh, you can jump on a call with any of our coaches 
and you will get some rapid relief. You will absolutely have an action plan at the end of the call and some new perspectives. You, we have our Get Off the Fence program and our Accelerated Divorce program right now. And those are both all about keeping the focus on yourself and growing in ways that you weren't taught in your family of origin mm-hmm. and that you haven't been able to do in your marriage that will that will benefit you in every relationship. And, and Journey Beyond Divorce... The podcast we do in series, so I have a high conflict series, I have a divorce roadmap series, which is just starting, which tells you everything about the practical aspects of divorce. And so our desire is to just pour a ton of content and information out there Mm -hmm. to people that is well vetted and, and wise. And so any social media platform, it's journey beyond divorce across the board. Okay. Well, I just want to say thank you for, you know, I know that what you went through was a difficult transition and all of the healing work that you did to now help give resources and validation and and love and support to a lot of people who are struggling. Like, I really respect you and appreciate all of this work that you're doing. Well, thank you so much. And, and right back at you. I mean, I think that there's so much work to be done. There's just never enough of us out there uh, supporting individuals. And I so appreciate the opportunity to come on and chat with you and your listeners. Well, th- thank you once again, Karen McMahon, Journey Beyond Divorce. It was a really a wonderful conversation, tons of good information for, pe- for people to soak in. Check out those resources. Yeah, absolutely, to, yeah. absolutely. Because it sounds like it's going to be valuable for people in a variety of places, whether it's you're still in a relationship that feels really unwieldy or you're transitioning out or even you're a few years into a new marriage or a new relationship and you're still sort of trying to figure out what you can learn and what you can change about yourself based upon your your prior relationship. Yeah. Terry, you want to want to take us out? I will. Thank you for listening and as always take care of each other, take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Me and you just singing on the train, me and you listening to the rain. Me and you we are the same.